today on Real Life Radio. When God calls you, it will make you uncomfortable. And he'll call you to listen and he'll call you to obey. And when he calls you to obey, it's always going to require you trusting his logic, his reason, and his actions every time. Because if you and I can figure it out, God's probably not in it. Welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Jack Hibbs. I'm David J. thanking you for joining us today as we listen, learn, and are challenged by God's Word, the Bible. On today's edition of Real Life Radio, Pastor Jack now continues his series called The Gospel of Luke with a message called What to Do When Jesus Calls. Now, the Gospel of Luke is a series that gives us both the humanity and the divinity of Jesus himself, as only Luke, the physician, really could. Here in chapter 5, we'll find Jesus teaching the Word of God and performing more miracles for those in need of healing. You see, the people loved to hear Jesus teach along the shore of Galilee. Many responded to his call, including Peter and the disciples. They were attracted by the beauty of what was being said. Jesus was giving them what they needed back then and what we still need today, to see and hear the heart of God. So today on this part of the message, Pastor Jack goes on to say that when Jesus calls, we are to listen and to obey. To do what Jesus asks us to do may be a challenge, even uncomfortable, but we'll be blessed when we obey. Awareness of our stubborn will is the first step towards salvation, even heaven itself. Now, in a message called, What to Do When Jesus Calls, here's pastor and Bible teacher, Jack Hibbs. Jesus is giving the people the Word of God. Notice that His ministry is not to make them wealthy, healthy, and wise. It's to first give them the Word of God. And He's given it to them. Another thing, not only the mind and the heart of God, but look at this. We want to listen because we want to experience more of God. It says, and He sat down and He taught the multitudes from the boat. Here's that word again that we learned last week. The word in the Greek, didasko. He taught them line by line, precept upon precept, verse by verse, the Bible. He taught them the Old Testament scriptures that you have in your lap. And He taught a great or vast crowd via the boat. Why? Because listen, when we listen to God, we are naturally being invited by God to experience more of God. The moment God begins to move in your life, oh church, listen to this. For some, certainly for all of us, I think it's Satan's way of getting people duped on drugs to keep them from getting hooked on Jesus. Because man, when you get hooked on Jesus, there ain't no drug that can come close. And you got to know that. Plus, you don't have a headache in the morning. It's quite wonderful. But I'm telling you something. The the more you have of the Lord, the more you want of the Lord. And it's an amazing addiction, a divine addiction. And when you're gathered around and something happens where God begins to move, you've got to have more of them. And that's how he is with his children. We want to experience more of God. And so Jesus is teaching and encouraging them from the word. I'm going to give you two things before we move on to the second point today. Two things under this one. Uh, Number one, listen carefully. There should be two pillars that you should have in your life. That church, we should all be accountable to one another about two pillars, two things, two structures of strength. And it's very simple, but extremely difficult. Number one is our private meeting time with God alone. 
As a Christian, we should all nurture, fight hard for, set the alarm early for, go to bed if we have to a little early for, make it happen. Look, for me, I got to put the alarm clock in the other room. I got to set the coffee pot alarm. You know those awesome, don't you love technology? You can set your coffee pot with an alarm on it and it's in the kitchen and the coffee's going through. It's pretty hard to sleep through a pot of coffee, you know? But that thing goes off and the alarm's going off in the other room. Why do I put the alarm in the other room? Because I got to get up and go turn it off if I'm not in a good mood about it. I got to go in the other room to turn it off. By the, time, by the time I get there, my feet are freezing. I've stepped on a dog or two along the way. And now I'm fully awake. And I know me. Once I am awake, I should have been a fireman. Once I'm awake, I'm awake. I'm not going back to bed. I can't. Well, now that I'm up, oh, I know what I ought to do now. And it's God time. God wants us. He says, early shall you seek me. Seek him. Make that one of your pillars. And this is the reason why. The quiet and still time with God. You've got to have quiet and still time with the Lord. Oh, it's wonderful. Get hooked on that. Get addicted to your early date in the morning with God. Psalm 46.10. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God and I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. What does it mean to be still and know? The word be still is pretty self-explanatory. It means to wait or to stand motionless in your heart, in your attitude, and to know that I am God. That Hebrew word yada means to know. It means to discover that I'm God in the situation you are in. Whatever you may be. Can you imagine right now in a crowd like this, if I were to say, what situation are you in? There'd be, well, it'd go on for days. I'm in this situation. I'm in that situation. This verse, Psalm 4610, implies that God knows all about the situation you're in. And he's just waiting to answer your situation if you just be still. And discover, yada, discover that he is God in your situation. Isn't that good to know? That's what we need to know. When something happens in our lives, we panic for a moment because we think somehow it got out of the watchful eye of God. God, do you know this is going on? Yes, Jack. Before Adam and Eve were ever brought out of the earth, created by me, I knew. It brings comfort to me. Private time, very important. Jesus said in Matthew chapter six, go into your closet and shut the door and pray and your father knows what you pray about in secret. He knows. God's in that closet. He's listening. The second pillar ought to be this. The second structure of strength is that we ought to meet and we are to meet in public, gathering together like we're doing right now. Privately, quiet and still. Finding God, discovering God in the stillness. By the way, do you realize how many people have found God and the call of God in their quiet time? But secondly, that we ought to be together publicly. The Bible commands this in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. The Bible says every day that we get closer to the return of Christ, don't give up on going to church and fellowshipping together. It's not only going to church, but you need to be exchanging phone numbers with people. Did you know that? Pastor, you're, you're encroaching upon my private space. Yeah, and I think that stinks, that's this private space of ours. We need to shake that up. We need to exchange phone numbers. We need to say, hey, you want to go get something to eat after service? I don't even know who you are. Yeah, but we're on the same roof. Are you a Christian? Yeah. Then let's go get something to eat. Something about Christians. We don't do drugs anymore. We just eat like maniacs. 
we get together. Why? Publicly that happens. That's never going to happen if you're going to be like a monk in a monastery. How are you going to fellowship? How are you going to experience a corporate gathering which the Bible commands? Now, I'm not, I'm not putting down monks, but you gotta, you got to get out of your monkery and, <laughs> and have a corporate gathering. God's in that. And how many times has God spoken and called his people in a corporate gathering? In Acts chapter 4, verse 31, the Bible tells us that as they were praying, the place that they were assembled in were, was shaken. Wouldn't that be great? We start praying and the place begins to shake. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one mind. Isn't that great? It's God's will that we be coming together. Acts chapter 2 tells us in verse 1 and 2 that on the day of Pentecost, when it had fully come, they were all together in one accord. It doesn't mean they're all in one car. It means that they're all in one mind. They came together in agreement. They were in one accord. And the Bible says that the place that they were gathered together was shaken by a great sound from heaven and a rushing mighty wind came in and filled up the whole house where they were seated. There needs to be a commitment level to our private time and to our corporate time regarding church. It should be that God should be and we should communicate to our children that he is number one above everything. Always number one. It's very important. Point number two is found in verses four to seven. What to do when Jesus calls is that we are not only to listen, we are to obey. We're to obey him. We listen to him. Number two, we obey him. We obey him in what he's asking of us. And how so? Because look at verse four, because when we obey, we're exposed. And I want you to jot that down. So what do you mean exposed? It says right here in verse four, when he had stopped speaking, Jesus is done speaking to the people. He turns now, look, he speaks to Peter, Simon Peter. This is Peter. We love Peter. Jesus says to him, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. What do we already know about this story? Because we've read ahead. Peter's been up all night. Peter, as you know, from our other studies, is a pretty opinionated guy. He's big, according to church history. Big burly guy. Owns his own fishing business, of which John and James are a partner in the ownership of it. How long had Peter been out fishing? How long? All night. How much fish did they catch all night? Zero. Have you ever been around a totally dedicated fisherman who's never caught a fish that day? You'd rather be on the moon. The bad attitude. Grumpy. Not only that, this is his business. How are you going to pay the bills? No fish. Jesus says, let's go out. I'm done done speaking. Push me on the water. Let's get some fish. I wonder what Peter was thinking. Oh, man. Let me see. I'm a fisherman. You're a carpenter. (laughs) I've been fishing all night. Uh, Every time I let out these nets, it takes me forever to get them back onto shore. I got to dry them and mend them up. Who knows what is in his mouth? What kind of excuses are in his head? Jesus says, let's go. Let's let down the nets for a catch. We're exposed to the will of God this way, church. If we begin to listen to God, then we'll be challenged to obey God. And when we obey God, are you with me, everybody? Listen, whenever we're challenged by the Lord to obey him, is it ever in anything like just super easy? If God said to me, Jack, I want you to obey me. Yes, Lord. 
after third service, I want you to go to In-N-Out Burger and get a double-double animal, milk, shake, and fries. Oh, Lord, must I? Oh, please. No, no way. He doesn't have to tell me that because I do that. What does God say to us when it comes down to a listening and obeying issue? It's always something that makes you and I uncomfortable. You say, Pastor, don't say that. I just brought somebody here who's not a Christian. I want them to become a Christian today. When God calls you, it will make you uncomfortable. Don't be afraid of the fact that he's real. He loves you so much that he'll shake it up a little bit. He's real. And because he's real, you ought to run to him. And he'll call you to listen and he'll call you to obey. And when he calls you to obey, it's always going to require you trusting his logic, his reason, and his actions every time. Because if you and I can figure it out, God's probably not in it. He'll say it and I'll, uh, he'll say, Jack, do this. Lord, that makes no sense at all whatsoever. Nevertheless, at your will, Lord. <laughs> you know, Jack, I want you to say this. Lord, that, uh, I don't even understand it. How can I say it? Just do it. Is not the Bible written like this in the lives of people? Go to such and such a place, you'll find a donkey tied up. Tell the guy that the master has need of it. That's what Jesus told to the disciples. Code word. Okay, what are we doing? I don't even know what we're doing. Let's just go. We're supposed to, and, then, and he said there's going to be a guy walk by with a pot on his head. Okay, oh, there's a guy with a pot on his head. That's wild. Do you understand this? I don't get it. Let's go. Okay, excuse me, sir. I know you don't know us, but why don't you say it? Okay, the master has need of the donkey. What is that? And the guy goes, yeah, sure, fine. Take the donkey. They take the donkey. They're going, this is a weird day. This is strange stuff. Is that not Christianity? God, why is the freeway like this? It's never like this at this time of the day. Now I got to take the other freeway. I got to go 30 miles that way to go this way. And then after you do it, you find out why. And then you say things like, God, aren't you amazing? God, you're so good. How'd you know that? He's something. When we obey God, we will be exposed to the things of God. And they're not easily explained. Thus, God gets the glory. Being exposed to his will, to his very being, to his desires. Listen, I'll paraphrase it. Study it later. It's Exodus 33, verses 13 to 23. It's all about Moses. And uh, Moses is great. You know, he's been talking to God. And the children of Israel are terrified to death. They said, Moses, don't talk to him when we're around anymore. It scares us. God calls Moses up to the mountain. Moses is there talking with the Lord. And God is telling Moses, I want you to do this. I want you to do that. I want you to do this. I want you to do that. And Moses says, listen, I'll do it all. But I, I want to see you. And when I read that in Exodus, is that, isn't that your heart? I'm right there with Mo. I want to see you, Lord. That's a great request. I want to see you. God tells Moses, Moses, no, no human can look at me and live. I mean, I'm not a human. I glow. I, I'm, I'm a spirit. I, I'm a light. I, you can't do it. It'll kill you. It, whenever I show up, people die. They, they can't see me like this. You know, I, it can't happen. I'm a spirit. You're a human. And Moses, I want to see you, God. How can, you want me to go talk to these people? but I, I've never seen you. And I love, it's, now I know it's no problem to God at all, 
But in my mind, I see the Lord's desire to expose just enough of himself to Moses to get him excited, to quench or to stoke hmm, his desire to draw closer to God. So God says, I tell you what, Moses, this is what, this is what we're going to do. I'm gonna, there's a crack in the rock over here. I'm going to stuff you in this crack. Can you imagine? It's like a, a sandal and an arm sticking out <laughs> in this crack. And he's in there. And God says, now look, when I come by, I'm going to take my hand and I'm going to cover your body and your face. And when I pass by, I'll release my hand from your body, from your face, and you'll see where I've been. And that'll freak you out royally. Isn't that amazing? You can't see me and live. You can see where I've been. So you ready? So Moses is in the rock. God puts his hand over his face somehow and over his body, and God passes by. <laughs> and releases his hand. And just like somebody on film running by really fast, there's a residual, there's an effervescence, there's a leftover presence of where he was. And Moses saw where the Lord was a nanosecond earlier. And the Bible says that it illuminated his body. His face glowed from being near the presence of God. All that because he wanted to get near him. And the Bible says someday we are going to see Jesus. We're going to see God face to face. And it won't hurt us. It won't harm us. It'll be perfect. In fact, I bet it feels quite great because we'll be in his presence, glorified before him in all new bodies in heaven with him. What a great moment. Exposed to God's plan and purpose. Things like this. People like this. Elijah. Common person. The book of James tells us Elijah is just like you and I. I know you and I don't really, I mean, we say we believe it. I don't know if we believe it. The Bible says he was just like us. Don't you view Elijah like a superstar? I mean, wouldn't it be like a, I mean, somebody like big and famous today? They're not like us. They're special. The Bible says Elijah was just like us. And listen, he saw God do awesome things. And then I thought about people like Enoch. Wouldn't you love? I mean, Enoch was a normal guy. And the Bible says he walked with God, and then he was gone because God took him to heaven. Man, I can't wait. That could happen today in the rapture, you know what I mean? I could just be going like this, and we could all be. Well, the other thing is Jonah. Think about Jonah. He's just my favorite because he's so much like me, like us. God says, do this. And he goes, okay. <laughs> and he leaves. God says, go left. And Jonah goes right. I told you we have this dog. Jonah, come here. And he takes off. Jonah, take off. He comes here. Jonah, the prophet, was like that. He saw God do tremendous things. Greatest revival in the history of mankind through a reluctant prophet. And then the Paul, the Apostle Paul, who was Saul, exposed to the glory of Christ on that Damascus road as he was heading up to Syria, exposed to the opportunities and invitations of God. It'd be yours, it'd be mine, if we're willing to hear the call from Jesus. Not only, listen, not only this, but we're humbled. Look at verse five. When we obey him, we're humbled. This is a good thing. It says, but Simon Peter answered and said to Jesus, Master, can you circle the word master in your Bible right there? It's not normal. Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. The word master here is not teacher, master, teacher, like rabbi. Peter's catching on. 
ever so slowly. He uses the word master. It means this. Ship captain, skipper. It's, whose boat is it? Peter's boat. But he turns and calls the carpenter Jesus master of the boat, skipper of the boat. That's pretty cool. I tell you guys over and over again, I'm not the pastor of this church. Who's the pastor of this church? Jesus is. I'm a sheepdog at best. Jesus is the pastor. Peter's saying, hey, it's my boat, but you're the, you're, you're the skipper. You're the captain. Isn't that a great attitude? He's starting to come around. Watch what happens. What's implied here is a pause. Master, we've toiled all night. We've got nothing. I know you're God in the flesh. And let me tell you something you may not know about. We fished. We got nothing. Jesus knows exactly what happened or what didn't happen during the night. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Can you, wouldn't you love to see the expressions? What did that, how did that happen? Peter, let's put the boat out. Let's get some fish. Come on, let's do it. It's going to be great. Skipper, I fished all night. Caught nothing. They're not biting. There's a pause. Why? Did Jesus look at him like, no, I don't think so. I think Jesus might have looked at him with a smile. A smile that communicated, Peter, I'm not going away. <laughs> okay, let's go fishing. I'm not leaving. The net over the side. Let's do it. <laughs> Peter says, nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net. Now, you're going to need to get your highlighter ready. Can you look at your Bible? The letters are written in red. What did Jesus say to Peter exactly? Launch out. And let down the what? Can you say it louder? Nets. Read what Peter says. Nevertheless, at your word, I will what? Let down the what? Net. Not nets. Net. Peter is following Jesus half-heartedly on this. Let down the nets. Peter says, I'll let down the net. It's in the singular in the original Greek, it's plural. Jesus says nets. Peter says net. You say, what's the big deal? It's a huge deal. Well, can I obey God kinda? <laughs> can I obey God sorta? I mean, you know, I mean, I know my girlfriend and I are having sex, but we love each other. Oh, change the Bible then. Just tear out those pages. Oh, come on, we know what's with God anyway. Trying to keep you from getting killed? Trying to keep you from messing up your life? Hey, I'm a really decent businessman. I just cheated my income tax. Bless me, God. God says, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, I know the government spends money on procreation of Peruvian leapfrogs. I know all that stuff. I don't, I don't agree with the way this... God, they'll have to stand before God in the end for that. We're to obey Him. And when we don't, we're to ask God to forgive us. Pastor and Bible teacher, Jack Hibbs, here on Real Life Radio, with a message called, What to Do When Jesus Calls. Thank you for being with us today. You know, this message, What to Do When Jesus Calls, is part of Pastor Jack's new series called, The Gospel of Luke. It's a series on the book of Luke and the unveiling of Jesus Christ to this world. And we'll continue on the next edition of Real Life Radio. The Mayflower, a brave quest for freedom. And no one can tell the story of our nation's beginning better than New York Times bestselling author Nathaniel Philbrick. The book is called Mayflower, Voyage, Community, War. 
Vivid and remarkably fresh, Philbrick takes us on an extraordinary journey to understand the truth behind our most sacred myth as a nation, the voyage of the Mayflower and the settlement of Plymouth Colony. Plymouth Colony was a 50-year epic conflict that ended in peril and eventually war. So how did America really begin? See how Mayflower Voyage Community War by Nathaniel Philbrick captures the events that have shaped our existing communities and the country that would grow from them. Our book of the month, Mayflower Voyage Community War by Nathaniel Philbrick, is yours today for a gift of any amount. And it's available at our website, jackhibbs.com. That's jackhibbs.com. This program is made possible by the generous contributions of you, our listeners. Visit us at jackhibbs.com. That's jackhibbs.com. Until next time, Pastor Jack Hibbs and all of us here at Real Life Radio wish for you solid and steady growth in Christ and in His Word. We'll see you next time here on Real Life Radio.